May only your word be spoken, O Lord. May only your word be heard. Amen. Amen. And dang, dude, we're here. How fantastic is this? On the birthday of the church, no less. And we are also here gathered with those who aren't physically here, both watching our service and participating online and with those in Detroit and Austin and everywhere else around the world celebrating the birth of a church here on Pentecost Sunday, whether Episcopalian or Roman or Baptist or any other denomination, we are one church. We are united in Christ as we celebrate today. And of course, united in Christ every day. We particularly remember it today. About 12, 13 years ago, I was meeting with Rabbi Annie from Temple Sinai. I wanted to learn more about Judaism, in particular, first century Judaism. I had read about first century Judaism in my Bible commentaries and in the footnotes of my Bibles. And all of those were written by Christians. And I thought, what do they know? So I called Rabbi Annie and the two of us began to have monthly coffees to learn about each other's faiths. And that began a great friendship, which continued and strengthened when we were worshiping in Temple Sinai for over two years after Harvey flooded our previous building. Now, in one of Rabbi Annie's and my early coffees, Annie was talking about the Jewish holy days, one of which was Shavuot, the holy day from which Pentecost came. Now, Pentecost is the Greek word for the festival of weeks, the harvest festival, which is described in Leviticus 23 and in Deuteronomy 16, as we all know, being good Episcopalians who read our Bibles. The idea was that the people of Israel would bring the first fruits of their harvest to God and give thanks and dedicate the harvest to God, as I know we all know. So when when Rabbi Annie started talking about Shavuot and the festival of weeks as the time when they remembered God giving the law on Mount Sinai, this time of revelation, I was utterly confused, saying, wait, but that's the harvest festival. That's the first fruits deal, right? From Leviticus, when what is God revealing the law have to do with that? I was so cute, <laughs> showing off my... Like, you're really, you're doing it wrong. I was, oh, good Lord. Anyway, Rabbi, Rabbi Annie explained to me that after the destruction of the temple and the destruction of the nation of Israel, the people were left without a place to bring their harvest offerings. And being that it was less and less an agrarian society, a harvest festival made less and less sense. And so the rabbis discussed the idea that the festival of weeks, as it came seven weeks after Pentecost, or after, after uh, the, the Passover feast, so did the giving of the law come about seven weeks after the initial Passover and the people left Egypt. So the festival of weeks made sense to be a celebration of the giving of the law. And the festival of Shavuot changed from the harvest festival to a time of celebrating revelation. The revelation of God that was given to Moses and the people of Israel on Sinai. It became both harvest and revelation. 
For us in the church, the festival of weeks, Pentecost, also changed. On that first Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection, Jews had come from all over, both within Israel and beyond, to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of weeks. And Peter and the other apostles were planning on celebrating the festival of weeks as they had so many years before, and then something strange happened. The Holy Spirit was revealed to them and to those who had gathered near them as tongues of fire resting upon them. And the Jews who had come from all over heard the apostles speaking in their own native languages, not only in the language of the Hebrew people. So God was connecting these people from disparate parts in the region into one people through the Holy Spirit, both harvest and Revelation. The harvest was the church. The revelation was that God was not just the God of one people, but that God truly was the God of the whole earth. Indeed, the whole cosmos. See, as Israel was being formed as a nation, there were near constant struggles with other nations. And who was going to win? Whichever nation had the strongest God. And as they would fight, God would win the victory over the other nation's gods. See, the God of Israel was the supreme God over all others. We read in Psalm 82, verse 1, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Now, whether we consider these to be gods or lesser heavenly beings, they were all subservient to the God of Israel, to the God of all creation. Even so, God was often understood as a tribal God. As with all of the tribal gods, God was seen as the God of Israel only, not as the God of all the peoples. He was God above all, but he favored one nation, a tribal God. Then the birth of the church at Pentecost and the harvest and the revelation that God was not only the God of one people, but the God of all peoples. And as each heard in their own language the proclamation of the apostles, Pentecost is both the harvest of the church and a revelation that God desires one people throughout the earth. Unity rather than tribalism. Now this idea had been spoken through the prophets, time and time again to the people of Israel. And Paul wrote of this idea in his letter to the Ephesians, that God is the God of all the peoples and that God desires for all humanity to be united. In Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, Paul writes of the mystery of God that has been revealed, namely that God would gather up all things, both in heaven and on earth. Paul wrote of Jesus as sitting at the right hand of God in the heavenly places where these other, other gods dwelt. And Paul wrote of the church as the body of Christ, dwelling as Christ's body with God in the heavenly places right now, already. So that we are both here living on earth, gathered in this room and throughout the world, and we are also at the same time in the heavenly places joined together as Jesus' body. 
Paul went on to say that we are joined together with Jesus as part of God's revelation. Part of God's revelation that we are in the heavenly places revealing even to the gods, to these other heavenly beings, that unity for humanity is what God has in mind. No more tribalism, no more tribal gods, one people living in unity. Even in the church, we still often live with tribalism. Different understandings of God, different understandings of Jesus. We quarrel, we fight. Who's right, who's wrong? That is not God's desire for His church. But that we would be unified as one. Now, that does not mean that we're all going to agree exactly on how we believe. We're going to believe differently in Jesus. We're going to believe differently in God. But we can be united in that, in those differences. This does also does not mean that we have to convert every person on earth to Christianity. We've tried doing that for a couple millennia. We've even tried to force conversions on people. And that's led to lots of conflict and war and disunity, suffering for others. Forcing, coercing, or shaming conversion has not been a quest for unity, but the church turning Jesus into one more tribal God. We don't find unity through tribalism and conflict. We find unity through love and belief that there is one God over all humanity. And many of us call that God by different names, and that's okay. God is big enough for all our names. That's what we found when we were worshiping at Temple Sinai for two years. While both congregations believe in the God of Israel, we believe such different things about that God that as far as religion goes, they are very distinct. They could be seen as two different gods. As much as our beliefs are different, however, we also get to believe that we worship not two different tribal gods, but one high God who is God of all the tribes, God of all the nations. Being at Temple Sinai, we found that we don't need to be right in our beliefs or for others to be wrong in their beliefs. We have unity and love with Temple Sinai, while still worshiping two very different understandings of God. The same is true throughout the earth. We call God by different names. And God is big enough to answer to all of them. God's mission for the church is to strive for unity among the peoples of the earth, to strive for healing among the peoples of the earth. God's mission for the church is to live and to share God's great love for all humanity. God's mission for the church is for us to be united both here and in the heavenly places, among the gods, the heavenly beings. Our mission, our way of life is unity with all people through love and forgiveness. And to share that unity with all of humanity, both here and and in the heavenly places, as God gathers up all things, both in heaven and on earth. 